All right, surprise! <laughs> it's me! <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are all here. Just a quick note on that um, offering to the outreach to Castleview High School. It, there's a drop-down when you go online to give that says community. There's a little tab. And so if you hit that community tab, that'll go straight to Castleview. So, okay, so... Um, I'm super excited to be here tonight and be able to share the word with you. Um, I don't know if the worship team even knew what I was going to talk about, but, uh, and for those of you that like get the text and the newsletter and all those things we talked about in there that I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the feasts and the festivals of the Lord that he's commanded us to observe and, you know, the Israelites and the Jewish people for all of time, but really what it is is a celebration of Jesus. Because the more and more I look into it, it really is just, you just see him. It, it all points to him. And so I, it is a huge honor um, to be able to stand before you today and just share about my beautiful Jesus with you guys and take you guys on a journey with me through the Old Testament and all the fulfilling things that he's done and then look forward to this season that we're in right now, which is the High Holy Days. We're in the 10 days of awe right now. So from September 25th all the way to October 5th is what we call, I don't know if you guys have heard about Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, like all of these things, the Yom Kippur, the um, Most Holy Day, Day of Atonement. Um, this is the season that we're in right now, and the Lord speaks to this and has spoken to this in the word way back. So um, I just want to get into a little bit of that, but I wanted to have some fun first. So um, how many of you are familiar with biblical feasts that call us, that the Lord has called us to observe? A little bit familiar? Okay, so let's have some fun. There are four spring feasts and three in the fall. So... Any of you guys want to shout out, do you know, just shout them out if you know some of the spring feasts. What are they? What's that? Okay, that's Passover, Pentecost, yeah, Yom Kippur, yeah, I mentioned some. Feast of Tabernacles, yep. Feast of Trumpets. Yep. Anything, anything else? Feast of unleavened bread. <laughs> First fruits. There's all kinds of fun stuff in here, you guys. I cannot wait to share this. So um, I wanted to read a scripture and just pray really quick before I jump in. There are the notes in the U version, and I don't know how you get to them, but they're there. Scan the code. Scan the code, and you can get there. Um, but pray with me, and we will jump in. So I really felt like the Lord led me to this scripture, and so I want to read it, and then, and then I'll pray, and we'll get going. So 2 Corinthians 3.17, actually I'll start in 15. It says, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, that we sit in this room today, Lord, and our hearts have been changed by you. I thank you for this opportunity, God, that we have to behold you in this moment, in these moments that we have ahead, Lord. God, I thank you that your desire is to reveal yourself to us, Lord, in new and fresh ways, God. I thank you, Lord, for veils to be removed, God, about just maybe lies that we've believed about your character and who you are. God, I thank you that you're going to reveal ourselves to us and what we mean to you tonight, Lord. And God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, all throughout Israel, Lord, whose, whose eyes are still blinded. God, who have been reading these scriptures even these last few weeks, God, and they can't see you. Lord, we, we ask for their salvation. We call them in, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we just ask that their, um, the blinders would be removed, God, that they would be able to see you. And we know that is a work of your Holy Spirit, that no one can come to you um, apart from the Holy Spirit. So we just thank you, God, that you are the peace of Jerusalem. You are the peace, the Prince of Peace, God. And we just thank you for your spirit here with us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I don't do this. I've only spoken just a few times, so give me grace. Um, <laughs> but when this came about, I have been just really diving deep into some of these feasts and just the season that we're in, and it has been wrecking me how the Lord has revealed himself to me. And we've been praying um, on, on prayer on Tuesday nights and just taking communion and really just sitting in this. And um, this opportunity just came up. We had this kind of funny weekend in between a couple series that we were doing, and um, the Lord just gave me an opportunity to share with you guys just a little bit of what he's been speaking to me and doing in my heart and life. And so um, if I pause a little bit here, and if I am waiting a little bit there, it's just I don't, I'm not super practiced, <laughs> and I'm not a theologian, so we're going to like skim through some of this stuff just to make sure everybody has like, you know, the bullet points, um, but this is by no means any kind of exhaustive. You could spend the rest of your life studying these things and seeing the intricate details of how God has, you know, chosen to tell his story and, and bring about redemption and reconciliation to us all, so... Um, so Rosh Hashanah, Feast of uh, Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles, Passover, all these things. These are not just Jewish, this is not just a Jewish thing. It's not just cultural appropriation. We're invited into it biblically by the Lord as Jesus is our Messiah. So I want you to set aside, I know for me, I look at some of their little traditions and stuff. And as you read through some of these, you see some of the really odd things that they do, like blowing trumpets and, you know, just, okay, like going outside for a week during the Feast of Tabernacles and staying in a tent, and, you know, like they have some odd customs, right? But as I was reading about it, it's like, it's so cool because they're all encounters with the Lord that they had. They had these ridiculous, amazing encounters with the Lord that then marked them in a way that they, the Lord has asked them to, let's remember this. Remember what God did here for your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your, you know, for all the generations. It is a connection. These feasts and, and festivals are a connection of the generations 
and how the generations are connected because this was how they passed on the story and the miraculous things that God did. So um, just to start off, the Festival of Trumpets and Rosh Hashanah mark the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Now, Rosh Hashanah actually is not in the Bible. The Feast of Trumpets is, and it gets, you know, they're kind of coincide because the Feast, the Festival of Trumpets is the same time. But Rosh Hashanah marks the beginning of the Jewish New Year. And there's several types of years, you know, like there's the tax year, the fiscal year, the, you know, there's, this is kind of just when the, the calendar date starts over. So if you want to know, we are in the year 5783, according to the Jewish Hebrew calendar. And they have been counting that since the time of creation started. And Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. So it's marked traditionally by blowing the trumpets. Um, <clears throat> so many celebrate Rosh Hashanah as a type of new year. Um, and then the Festival of Trumpets is also a call to, for believers to wake up. It was a call back to the Lord. It was a call, you know, let's, let's rise up. Let's seek the Lord. Let's look at this new season that's ahead of us. Let's, let's really ask the Lord, take, take a, a look at our lives and see, you know, what's been fruitful this year? What hasn't been? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to step into? It, it's a time of reflection a time of repentance, but it's also a time of joy. And I think the Lord gave us this. If you think about it, the head of the year, like how do you want to start off your year, right? The Lord gave us this because it's a time of celebration. They often celebrate with like honey and apples and pomegranates and wine and these things to celebrate in advance an expectation. It's going to be a sweet year. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be full of good things because God's with us, right? So it, it's, a, it's a season which I love that God has commanded us to go, you know what? It's going to be a good year. It's going to be because God's with us. If God be for us, who can be against us, right? Yeah, we might face some challenging things, but let's go ahead and decide right now that God's with us and we're going to, it's going to be good, right? So... Um, they're, these are called the days of shouting or blasting. <laughs> so we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We've got shofars. We've got some fun stuff we're going to talk about. So um, I, I'm going to get into the Festival of Trumpets in a minute, but I wanted to just cover really quickly the spring festivals and feasts and talk about how Jesus has fulfilled them because this is super important when we talk about the fall feasts because these are the prophetic feasts that have not been fulfilled yet. And so that's what's super exciting. Um, and then when you look at the spring feasts and just see Jesus, and it's just, it, it's mind-blowing. So um, I have some things in your notes. I may just kind of read through a little bit and then just kind of tell you a few little nuggets that I've pulled out. So it's all in Leviticus 23. There's other places that the Lord talks about these things, but really primarily it's Leviticus 23. So we can see from these scriptures now that these festivals were a foreshadowing of what was to come. For example, Passover and how it points to Jesus coming as the Lamb of God. The, the word Passover means the Lamb. He's him saving us from sin and death. Passover is the remembrance and celebration of how the Lord saved the Israelites from the angel of death when they were in Egypt during the exodus from slavery. Has anyone celebrated a Seder? 
if you come here and you've been coming here for a while, you have because we've, we've done it the last couple of years. So think about the Seder. Think about those, those funny things that we eat and we go through as we tell, remember the story of how the Lord led the Israelites out of Egypt. One really cool thing I read, I was reading different things like um, commentaries and, you know, there's a lot of good richness in just knowing the culture of the day of when all these things were happening. So I didn't know this. Maybe you guys already know this and, you know, so just bear with me. But um, this really struck me the other day. So the Egyptians actually worshipped a god that was a lamb. So they don't really talk about this in the word, but in the culture we know that they worshipped a god that was a lamb. So when the Israelites took a lamb into all of their homes, first of all, then slaughtered it, and then ate it. <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? I mean, in the middle of all the other crazy plagues and all the other crazy stuff that was going on, right? I mean, talk about a, a peculiar people God has called us to be. <laughs> um, but the thing that got me was that they would take, their custom was to take the lamb, and they would, they would slaughter the lamb, but they had these hooks on the outside of their houses, that they would hang the lamb on, and then they would stretch the arms out on their house and, and hammer, you know, the nails in their legs and to skin it, to, to prepare it, to eat it. And it's just stuff like that that I just sat with that. Like, everything points to Jesus, you guys. Everything points to him. Jesus fulfilled the Passover when he was tried and crucified on Passover day. We know this. We've, we've seen this. We've read the stories. We have witnesses, eyewitnesses in the word. They were eating the last supper. They were celebrating Passover in Jerusalem when Jesus was tried and crucified. Jesus as our lamb of God, unblemished and perfect, according to John 19, 31, died on the day of preparation, the day before the Passover meal. I mean, while he hung on the cross, when he gave his final breath, was when they were slaughtering the lambs. At that moment, at that moment, you guys, he, he just orchestrated everything so beautifully. Like this, all of, the, all of this that God had had them observing for hundreds of years, and it's happening, it's happening right before their eyes, but they can't, they can't see it. <laughs> that's why I, I, it's, it's such a blessing that, that he has torn that veil off of my eyes that I can see it now um, the Lord wanted his people to see the feast they had kept for hundreds of years was all about his son and his plan of redemption for mankind in the New Testament we see that Jesus rose from the tomb during the feast of unleavened bread so there's all these things in Leviticus 23 that talk about the Passover the feast of unleavened bread uh, the Feast of First Fruits, um, all of these things, the Feast of Weeks, Festival of Weeks. If you, if you read through Leviticus 23, you'll see these things. And man, again, it's like the, this is all of this season that is taking place in the spring, and the unleavened bread, who is that? Who is that? It's Jesus, Yeshua. He's the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. I mean, it's all... It's all right there. Like, God has them celebrating a whole week of 
unleavened bread. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> um, okay, so this is all happening, you know, in the spring feast. The festival of weeks comes after the unleavened bread. This was a celebration of God's provision. Obviously, we know now Jesus and the Holy Spirit that was fulfilled when Jesus died, rose again for us, ushering in the Holy Spirit and the new way to approach God. He was the first to die and rise again, first fruits. He was the first to die. He, someone had to go first. He went first. He was, the, he was the one. Death has no hold on him and therefore has no hold on us. He did it first to show us his ultimate plan of reconciling us to the Father and how he intended for us to be together. So then after that, what comes after that? Anybody know? La, 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 la. <laughs> Pentecost. <laughs> and what I love about Pentecost, which in Leviticus 23, is the festival of weeks. So they counted out so many weeks after the Israelites left Egypt, right? 50 days. It was 50 days. And the Lord took the Israelites and Moses, to Mount Moriah. Moriah? Is that right? Mount Sinai. No, Mount Sinai. It was Mount Sinai. And there he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, right? And we know from Scripture that Moses had this incredible encounter with the Lord. God gives him the Ten Commandments. His face is shining from the glory of God that is on his face after meeting with the Lord and getting these things. He comes down the mountain, and this is the Old Covenant. This is the Old Covenant. This is when all of this started, right? So now we see, fast forward, Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. He tells everybody what? Wait. Wait for me. I'm, I have something for you. So 50 days after Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes, right? What's the Holy Spirit represent? The new covenant. It's the new covenant. It's the new way to approach the Lord. It's all like just perfectly laid out. His path and his plan of redemption. So I tell you all that to tell you this. <laughs> the spring feasts have been fulfilled. And there is no other book, I believe, like the Quran, uh, these other religions that have such they don't have the prophetic element to them like the Bible does. And for us to be able to see it so plainly in the word when you read it. So I tell you this, to tell you all that to tell you this. We're living, the times we were living in are incredible, you guys. He's invited us into this just incredible story. Um, and all of these Jesus, all of these events point to Jesus. The fall feasts prophetically foreshadow the second coming of Christ. So we want to get to those. So Leviticus 23, 23 says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. Say, what? <laughs> Why do you want us to do that? <laughs> Just blow some horns? Okay. <laughs> All week? <laughs> um, 
But we are in the season of the Festival of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These 10 days we are in right now is a time of longing for the return of Jesus Christ. Trumpets are significant all throughout Scripture. And this was really cool as I was doing the study on this. And you guys will see this. It is really, it's really fun. And even throughout time in nations and just in commemorating, like, I don't know if you guys saw the Queen's funeral. Any of you guys watched the Queen's funeral or some of it? <laughs> um, this wasn't in a lot of the, like, edited versions, but when they were t removing the queen's crown and her scepter from the coffin, there was this ridiculous, probably 10, 15 minute trumpet extravaganza that happened right before and during <laughs> that was taking place because there's something to the, the language of the trumpet that is ushering in. What was that doing? It was ushering in a new era. The queen is gone. Like this is a whole new era. I mean, we've, our daughter lives in London, and she you know, is there while all this is happening, and she's got friends that are obviously have grown up there, and they're saying, like, they're just gutted because the queen, like, the queen has always been, you know, <laughs> there since, since they've lived there. And so, but to usher in a new king, even in a secular, although the queen's funeral was very honoring to the Lord, had a lot of really cool scripture and and stuff like that in it. But all that to say, that's a, that's a freebie. That was a little side snack nugget for you guys. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have even known anything about that if my daughter didn't live in London right now. So, <laughs> um, so trumpets are significant. The sounding of trumpets, horns, to mark the beginning of eras. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that. To mark the ending of an era. We're going to talk about that. Um, going to war trumpets. It proclaimed freedom for all when initiating the jubilee year at the end of Yom Kippur. Trumpets. Think about trumpets. When they, God commanded them to march around Jericho, all they did was walk around a city and then blow the trumpets and shout, and the city came down. There is some powerful significance to the trumpets and to what this, what God, the symbolism of that, um, and kind of in these years, is a, it's like a practice, so to speak, of what is coming and what it, foretell, what it tells of what's happened. Um, so one of, the, one of the big portions of Scripture that the Jewish people right now are, every year around Rosh Hashanah, they really study Genesis 22, and they read it, and this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I find it really interesting, and as I was reading it, just that this is where it all started. This was when God asked Abraham to leave his home, you know, that he had something really special, a new land, a new place, leave your family, we're going to go, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you, through your seed. You guys know the story, Abraham, Sarah, they could not have children. It, they were barren. They were void of life, just like when God created the earth. It was void. It was barren. It was nothing. What happened? The Holy Spirit came, hovered. Nothing is impossible with God. And what God promises, it starts with a promise, right? It's going to end with him keeping his promise. He's a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper. And 
we live now in the time where we can praise God, we can look back at some of these stories and gain like comfort, right? Because here God makes this outlandish promise to Abraham and Sarah, and they're like, how in the world are you going to do this? He doesn't share all those details. He just says, this is who you are. This is what I've called you to be. This, this is what I have for your life, right? Anybody hear some outlandish things that the Lord has told you that you're going to do, you're going to be, you're going to say, people you'll be before, right? This is his plan. He's, he's mapping it out for him, okay? So... So Abraham and Isaac and a servant, they go because the Lord says, I want you to sacrifice your one and only son. Just think of the, just hear the language. (laughs) Now we have the New Testament so we can see how it connects. But the, the language of, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah, I know. I told you he was the promise. I told you. But I want you to do this. I want you to sacrifice your one and only son. I want you to go to Mount Moriah and you're going you're gonna to take the wood, you're going to take the fire, and you're going to take the knife, and you're going to go. And Abraham had already tried to, to get this promise going with Ishmael and, you know, uh, Sarah's maidservant. I mean, he's already, they're already like wheeling and dealing and working. I mean, years are going by, right? When, when God said this to Abraham, he was 75, then he's 85, and they don't have a kid yet, and God, how are you going to do this? And you know, so they devise their plan, right? How many, <laughs> how many of us have been there? Like, God, you said this. Did you want me to do, did you want me to, I can just, okay, we'll just go ahead and try something here. You know, make this, let's get the ball rolling, get this going. I am getting older. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like if it was hard enough already when I was 75, now I'm 85, you know. Um, so, you know, they've got all of this history with the Lord, all of this. I mean, Abraham's 100 years old, right? And God does this. And so, of course, you can imagine what, how incredible, right? He's, he's got it. They have a son. It, it came true. What God said, like, it, it happened. In Luke, Luke 137, the Lord tells Mary after he says, I'm going to impregnate you. You're going to be you know, filled with the son of man, the son of God, and you're going to name him Jesus. And she's like, how's this going to happen? And he says, no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail, right? So we know the story. Abraham, Isaac, they go up. Abraham has faith. He's like, I am going to obey, which is key right now for us to be a friend of God is to obey the Lord when we hear him say crazy things, <laughs> you know, to be obedient and to stay faithful, right? So they go up. He's like, the Lord is going to provide. The Lord's going to provide the sacrifice. And he did. He totally provided the ram. And we know the story. And so God was like, now I know you won't withhold anything from me because you didn't withhold your son. So he can trust him, right? But one cool thing that I found and this isn't in the word, but it's in the rabbinical law, so like the oral traditions and things that they passed down over the generations, was that God instructed Abraham to cut off the ram's horn, like the one that, you know, God provided for the sacrifice, and told him, taught him how to use it to be a horn, 
to blow. And that was the beginning of ushering in by a horn, a ram's horn, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the seed that would become our redemption and our Savior and, and, and make a way for all the nations of the world to come to him. And that is really key. One thing that I know, and I just want to speak to you guys just for a minute about just the promise. And, and we've all had, you know, interesting last couple years, right? Maybe, um, you know, when the Lord speaks a promise, you better buckle up because you're headed for, you're headed like that. You're headed for a test, a season of testing. You're headed for a battle because we just like to get in the way. <laughs> and so, um, so the key is to hold on and obey because if God said it, he's going to do it. And if he didn't say it, there's nothing we can do. You know, it's not going gonna, it's, it's to happen. Um, but how many of you ha have had to wrestle these last couple of years with, but I thought God said... How many of you have had to just wrestle with disappointments? Maybe the, the death of a dream or relationships or an actual loved one, right? There are things we've had to wrestle with these last few years. And it's a sacrifice to, to lay it down, right? To lay it down again and trust the Lord to wait on him and, and trust that he is going to provide. It's a sacrifice laying in laying it down. If it's a promise from God, he will provide. The Lord will provide it. And it's an activation in trust. Um, okay, so. Numbers 10. This was cool. I never saw this before. Continuing on about the trumpets. There's a lot in here about trumpets, guys. Numbers 10, the Lord told Moses how to fashion two silver trumpets for the Israelites. And he used them, um, to, he told the people, anytime they would blow the trumpets, they had different, like, do do do, you know, long blast, short blast staccato, you know, like, like they had, he had the whole playlist worked out for Moses, right? And, and he told the people, so they knew, and um, certain blasts would go, and it would, it would be like, okay, I just need the, the 70 that are helping me lead this whole bunch, you know, do, 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 you guys gather and come in, right? Or they would blast, and then like the east, you know, wing of the battalions of all of the Israelites would move forward. Or, you know, they, they used the trumpets to uh, get ready to move. They called them to assemble and directed the movements of the camp. So that's important because still today, I believe, as we are hearing these chauffeurs, these trumpets blast, it it's, should be an awakening, right? It should be an awakening in your spirit to go, oh, God's on the move. What is God saying? Where, where am I? Where do I need to be, right? It's always a, I, I felt like as I was studying some of this, it's always a call in these feasts. It's like back when the Lord 
was talking to Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had had the whole encounter with the serpent, and they were hiding. And he's like, where are you? Where are you? This is a season of the Lord going, where are you? Right? He knows where we are, but it's for us, because <laughs> he knew we would need to, like, you know, the smelling salts and be like, oh, yeah, how did I get here? Okay, no, I don't want to be here. Okay, Lord, you know, do this work in my heart that needs to be done, right? Um, the trumpet is a call to be alert, awake, awake, O sleeper, stand to attention. It's a call to rise. As Christians, when we hear the trumpet blast in these fall feasts, we are called back to reflect on our lives, take inventory, make changes to turn back to the Lord if we need to. It's a season of repentance. It's a call to be watchful, refocusing your heart, your priorities, your attention on the Father. So what we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to hear some, some trumpets. You guys excited? We're going to wake us up, right? We're going to wake it up. <laughs> We've got Dan and DJ. We've got some um, chauffeurs that we got in Israel. And so if you guys want to come on up, what we're going to do is I'm going to let you guys hear these awesome uh, shofars. And what we're going to do is we're going to stand up. Because this is a season of shouting, it's a season of blasting, it's a season to usher in um, just the Spirit of God and, and what He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And so, um, Psalms 18, 118, 15 says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous, of the Lord. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things for us. I just told you of some ridiculously mighty things that God has done for you and me, not to mention everybody else, right? So we have all the reason in the world to shout and be victorious and to stand to attention and to look to him and be excited, right, about we're, we're God's people, okay? We're his people of praise. So I'm going to let them blow. What would you guys work out? Are you going to do it together? Okay, so, okay, we're going to let them blow it three times, okay? And on the third time, I want us all to shout, okay? All right, let's go. you guys that was awesome <laughs> that was awesome thank you jesus charge let's go army of god right <laughs> right so that's the festival of trumpets <clears throat> what is, how does that make you feel it's like let's go let's do this right it's like a call like oh we're together we're moving forward we're advancing the kingdom <laughs> Uh, freedom, like William Wallace, yeah. <laughs> Say sorry. <laughs> By the way, that really scares our dog. <laughs> Probably all the other animals in the neighborhood. You know? <laughs> What's happening? Um, okay, so um, just moving on just a little bit here. Uh, Yom Kippur, 
is coming up on October 4th and 5th. This is the day of atonement. This is the holiest day of the year. This is what we know. Jesus made a way for us to enter the holy place. The veil was torn, and now we have access to the Father. Before Jesus came, it was a time to repent by fasting and sacrificing animals to the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did this once and for all with his sacrifice. It means to unite, to be reconciled, to make right. And now it's a season to be thankful. We're told that we enter his presence with thanksgiving and with praise because now we don't have to wonder and hope that the high priest comes out and we did it all right, right? Because Jesus did it. It's finished. It's done. He was the perfect sacrifice. And we can just be thankful and give him praise. And it, and it helps us in Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So, so if you guys can carve out some time, honestly, this would be my suggestion with some of this, if you feel a tug in your heart, even as I'm talking, like to respond. Um, carve out some time. Spend some time with the Lord. Ask him, seek him. Um, repentance is a gift. We're not always guaranteed that our conscience, that the Lord will, will reveal those things to us. Sometimes our hearts are hard, right? We don't know. We, we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. So my admonition to you guys, and what I felt like the Lord wanted me to say is, this is not a heavy thing. It's his kindness, right, that leads us to repentance. When we repent, it's so that times of refreshing can come. And we're going to take communion at the end, and we're going to read through a psalm, and it's just, it's just so good, you guys. And I would highly recommend that you spend some time with the Lord in doing this um, in this season, because I believe he's preparing us. He's always preparing us, but he's preparing us for, for his return, for, for his coming back. And, and he, he tells us to watch the seasons, right? To know the times. Know the seasons that you're living in. Be attuned with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. Some believe, now this is like, okay, we did our whole series on the end times and all of the, you know, rapture, pre, post, mid, trib, you know, all the stuff. So this is not, you know, set in stone, but some believe that the Lord will come back during this season of year. Rosh Hashanah, Festival of Trumpets, and that the rapture and judgment might fall on Yom Kippur. I mean, this is the, these are the days of awe. <laughs> like, that would be awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, who knows? It's fun to, to think about, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed so we got to listen for those trumpets all right so feast of tabernacles comes after this and this is a another prophetic feast it is a time of spiritual purification to reconcile to god like i just talked about repentance it's a season of overwhelming joy though 
The abundant crops are a reminder of God's goodness. They would celebrate the harvest. They would celebrate what they brought in in the last season. They would give him first fruit offerings of what their crops yielded. And they would, they would do it in, in an offering saying, I trust you, Lord, that this is going to be enough, that you've provided, that it's good, and that you know, you're with us. Israel rejoices in the miraculous protection and provision of God who accompanied them in and brought them out of the desert. This is what the Feast of Tabernacles represents. How many millions of people, God, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, he fed them bread, something that looked like bread, what is it? (laughs) Manna, morning, evening, like he provided miraculously, protected them. This is what this is what this season represents right now. Leviticus 23:42. They live the the Lord commanded Moses, "Live in temporary shelters for 7 days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." Why? Okay, why? Why tell you all of this? Why even study this? Why did the Lord give them the command to keep these feasts? He knew we would need these seasons to remember his goodness and his faithfulness, right? When he gives you the promise and it's been 15, 20 years, when it's, when you've been waiting, when it's, when it's long, when it's been hard, when you're weary, right? These seasons help us reflect on how the Lord is working in our lives today. So think about this, you guys. We can look and see in our personal lives, like the Israelites, how he has saved us out of our slavery from sin, given us mercy, miraculously provided for us, just as he brought the Israelites out of the wilderness into the promised land, so is he going to bring us out of our wilderness seasons, ultimately to heaven. So what has God saved you out of? Think about it. What has he saved you out of? Death? Loneliness? Addiction? Bondage? Think, think back. It's good to remember what, where he's brought you out of, where you are now, right? It's so good. And, to, and for him to take the time, give us the time, right? Set aside to to do this is amazing. You know, most of, in our culture now, the seasons are just pushed and it's just, it's hurry up and it's obligation and it's fast and it's, but God's seasons, he establishes with peace, with rest, with reflection, with, and then with setting us up to move forward in victory, He's the, same t- d- he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. These are signposts we can look for for encouragement. So, um, some believe Jesus was born during the Feast of Tabernacles because it's a foreshadowing of his birth and how he came to tabernacle among men in an earthen tent. Okay, this, Dan can tell you, I have sobbed over some of this. 
<laughs> coming out of my quiet time, just, just reading through what even a tabernacle is. It is a house of worship, right? A portable earthly dwelling place of Yahweh used by the Israelites during the Exodus. But it's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing. We are now this dwelling place. The tent was called the tent of what? Meeting. We, right here, right here, right there. You are a meeting place. You're a meeting place for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not just for your own edification, but you're a witness and a testimony everywhere you go. That God is Emmanuel. He is with us, right? A tabernacle means a fixed or movable habitation. It is also known as a fixed locked box in which the Eucharist, the consecrated communion elements, hosts were stored. Oh, that just got me. Like his body, his blood. It's, he came to dwell with us. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We are his dwelling place. And how cool. So in Jewish customs, in their culture, when they get married, they get married under a chuppah, right? Which is like a tent. It's like, it's like the sukkah that they would build these tents in the wilderness, they get married because all of this is a picture foreshadowing how Jesus is our bridegroom and he's coming. He's coming for his bride, right? He's coming back. He's gonna come back and get us. And all of this is to just say that. I love you, right? I love you. I wanna be your bridegroom. I wanna take care of you. I wanna feed you. I wanna clothe you. I wanna protect you. I mean, all of these things, he's shown them in this, <laughs> and shown us, like, how could I ever doubt? <laughs> I'm telling Dan, I'm like, we are so dumb. Like, how, like, how do we struggle with stuff? When you read this, it's just like, how, how can I even doubt he's, that he's not with me, that he doesn't love me, that, he's, that I'm not chosen, that I'm not, I mean, it, it's just, it's all right here. <laughs> So there's signs of the end times in Matthew 24, 31 through 32. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. Woo and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Be watching and waiting and ready to usher in the king. So I want to, Dan, if you want to come up, we're just going to, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit just speak to us um, and just take communion. Where are you? Are you tuned in? Is your heart burning? Are you following the Lord? Are you withholding anything from him? If there's anything that he reveals to you or has revealed to you during this time, talk to him about it. 
Make it right. Today's the day. Right? Don't wait. Don't wait, guys. You may not get another chance. So there's communion underneath uh, your seats. And I'm going to have the scripture on the screens too because it's it's Psalms 32 and I want to read it in the Passion Translation because it's just so poetic. It's so beautiful. And just some of the language in there just really has gripped my heart. And I felt like this is what we wanted to, what he wanted to have us um, just soak in in this time. So if you guys have those ready, we'll, we'll take it after we read this. But just have them ready. Thank you, Jesus. What bliss belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven? Oh, Jesus. Those whose sins are covered by blood. What bliss belongs to those who have confessed their corruption to God? For he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. This is a key. If you find yourself there, if you find yourself devastated in your inner life, there's a key here. The pain never let up your hand, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions, and you forgave me. All at once the guilt of my sin washed away, and all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. This is what he's saying to us right now. He's close. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. 
Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Just come. Come, all who are heavy and weary. Come and get rest. So my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. I'm going to pause there. So, Lord, we thank you so much. Jesus, 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 the name above all names, Jesus, the name above sin and shame, guilt, condemnation, the name above sickness, disease, grief. Jesus, you're, you're the Lamb of God. Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're our friend. Jesus, we look to you and we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that you've carved out so many rich, beautiful things in your word to reveal your heart towards us, Lord. How much you love us. You don't reveal these things to shame us or condemn us, God, but you reveal it to heal it. So we just thank you for healing in this room tonight, God. I thank you, Lord, for those that have felt stuck for years, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray for breakthrough, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God. We thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you that you've called us overcomers. Thank you that you are trustworthy and faithful. You guys go ahead and take the bread. We do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. I thank you for fresh revelation, Lord. Fresh bread for my friends in this room, God. As we take communion, Lord, we know throughout your word that revelation accompanies communion. Revelation accompanies this, this meal that, we, that you've instructed us to take. Revelation of who you are, revelation of your love, Jesus. So I just, I thank you for fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on my friends tonight, God. As we remember, as we take you in, Lord, as we look to you, Jesus. Thank you for rekindling, God, just first love. As, as we remember what you've brought us out of, Lord, and what's yet to come. You guys want to take the blood, if you haven't already? Thank you for the blood of the Lamb that washes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. Worthy of all praise and honor and glory and blessing, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. 
So the Psalms 32 ends with this. So celebrate. Celebrate the goodness of God. He shows his kindness to everyone who is his. Go ahead, shout for joy. <laughs> All you upright ones who want to please him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Amen.